Amen. You may be seated. Uh, good morning again. If you came in, I am Pastor Chris. Welcome to Coastal. Uh, glad to have you with us today. I do hope you had a, a wonderful Merry Christmas. Anybody wearing a Christmas present this morning? You got one on? Anybody? Okay, we got a few Christmas presents. I've got, uh, I got some on. I've got some new socks on. Woo! They feel so good, too. And, and uh, I got new shoes on this morning, and they're, uh, they feel really good. I won't go any further, but that's... Uh, uh, but I'm I'm feeling comfortable today. Um, today uh, we uh, we we've, uh, really today is kind of that you know it's in between Sunday of uh, the end of the year, the beginning of the new year. And uh, I like I said about a month or so ago, I shared with our church how I just felt like it was time again for me personally uh, to read through the Bible this coming new year. And I've done that several times uh, throughout my life as a, as a Christ follower. Uh, I think once maybe in high school, then college, and and a couple of times over the last. Uh, uh, 25 years or so, and for whatever reason, I kind of felt like this was the year to do it again, and so I shared that with our, our staff, and then we kind of came up with the idea of, of why not, you know, try to encourage as many people as possible uh, from our church to kind of do that together uh, with us this year, and so that's what we're going to do, and uh, like I said, we sold a bunch of those little uh, one-year Bibles, and so if you didn't get one, you can easily pick one up, uh, order it through Amazon, or you can pick one up at Lifeway up in uh, the North Charleston, uh, or uh, very simply, if you have a smartphone, uh, a laptop, uh, just download uh, the, the app, uh, Bible.com, version Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N.com, Uversion.com, uh, a great app if you don't already have it, and then go to uh, the Bible reading plans, whole Bible, uh, and it's the first one, one year. In fact, we've already, we've already put together a group uh, there called Coastal Community Church One Year, I think it's One Year Bible Reading or One Year Bible Reading Plan or something. Um, and so today, I really want to uh, talk about doing that. I, I want to spend some time talking about, you know, having a quiet time. I, I want to say that if there's anything in my life as a Christian, um, and I've been a Christian now for about 30 years, um, that Satan has fought me harder on than, than anything else in my life is just consistently uh, reading my Bible and spending time alone with God. That's it. That's the, probably the, the thing that Satan has fought me uh, the hardest on over the years. And um, it is the, the most important thing that you and I get to do. And so I want to talk about that today. You know, it's one thing. I think a lot of times Christians come to church and pastors and leaders do a really good job of making you feel guilty about not doing something. You know, whether it's, but, but then we never tell you how to do it. We never like, practically explain like what it looks like and how do you do this. So today, that's what I want us to do. Um, I do believe that our lives are shaped by our habits. Uh, you, you and I basically are a bundle of habits. Everything we do is shaped by habits. And the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people, and that's true in a lot of different areas of life, by the way, in business, uh, in your family, personally, uh, health, all those kinds of things, the difference between successful and unsuccessful is that successful people basically are willing to establish certain habits that unsuccessful people aren't willing to establish. And I also believe that the same thing is true in our Christian life. Dynamic, growing Christians who see God you know, work in their lives, who see answer to prayer, who see things happening on a regular basis, they have built certain habits uh, into their lives. Now, over the years as a pastor and a, a reader, uh, I, I have listened to, talked to, read about literally thousands of Christians. 
And, and I do not think that is an exaggeration. And I have, I've come to the conclusion that in every, every dynamic, growing Christian that I know, they have several things in common. They have several habits in their lives that have helped them to become more effective. First um, Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Look at this with me. Uh, it's on your outline. It's on the screen. It says this. Spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. Now, if you have a pen, you're taking notes, circle the words there, uh, time and energy. Because what I want to talk to you about today really does require time and energy. Uh, but if you do it, you're going to become spiritually fit, which is way more important, far more important, the Bible says, in the long run, uh, than even physical fitness, which nothing wrong with physical fitness, that's great. But spiritual fitness, uh, Timothy said, or Paul says, is even more important. Verse 8, physical exercise, yes, does have some value. But spiritual exercise is much more important, for it promises a reward both in this life and in the next. So how do you get spiritually fit? Well, by doing spiritual what? exercises. You know, just like you get physically fit, you do physical exercise or physical habits. In fact, I, I know this morning, if I were just to say, because we all went through like middle school uh, health class or social studies, I mean, we basically know the, the basic, you know, three or four habits that are required for physical fitness. What, what are they? Eat what? Eat healthy, exercise, get plenty of Rest. Okay, I don't know what else somebody said. But anyway, they drink water, whatever. Like we, we basically know those, those are the basic habits. In fact, uh, raise your hand this morning if you've ever made a resolution based on any of those habits. Eat right, exercise, get plenty of rest, drink water. Okay, probably most of us have at some point or another. Now, there are also several uh, spiritual habits, basic spiritual habits to being spiritually fit, and maintaining spiritual uh, health. Uh, I, we could talk about the habit or discipline of prayer, uh, the habit or discipline of spending time in God's word. I would probably include uh, the habit of giving or tithing and uh, the habit of community, of fellowship. Now think about those, those four. Why those four? Well, think about it. They involve your time, your money, and your relationships. And if you've got God in, in priority in your time, money, and relationships, you are probably on your, well on your way to becoming a very healthy, growing Christian. Well, again, since we are encouraging a, a, our church and a lot of people here at our church to join us in reading through the Bible in 2015, what I wanted to do today uh, is in the last Sunday of 2014 is I want to talk about having a, t a quiet time today. I want to talk about reading your Bible and praying and what that looks like because I don't want to just, you know, tell you to do something without ever actually explaining how to do it very practically. So here's a great definition um, of a quiet time. Write this down. A daily time I set aside to be alone with God, a daily time I set aside to be alone with God to get to know him through the Bible and prayer, a daily time I set aside to be alone with God to get to know him through the Bible and prayer. Now, first of all today, let me give you really quickly some reasons why 
you ought to make this a priority in 2015. Why you ought to try to do this. Number one, we were created for fellowship with God. We were created for fellowship. The Bible says, so God created man in his own image. That is the only part of creation, by the way, that was given this privilege of communication with the Father, fellowship with the Father. It's what we were created for. In fact, in Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, look, here I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. In other words, God has a desire to have a fellowship with you and I as human beings, to have a friendship. That's why we were created. Number two, Jesus died to make that relationship possible. Jesus died to make that relationship possible. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God has invited you into this wonderful friendship with his son, Christ our Lord. Now, when we sin, you know, way back in the beginning of creation, when man sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, that fellowship with God was broken. Okay, it was forever marred by sin. So it took God, and remember we just talked about this at Christmas, right? Christmas Eve, the gift exchange. It took God this great rescue mission, sending his son Jesus to the earth to restore that relationship. So that relationship must be important, right? Number three, personal alone time with God was also Jesus' source of strength. In other words, if he needs it, surely you and I need it, right? Mark 135, a bunch of other verses say, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In other words, if, if Jesus needed this constant communication with the Father and he was the Son of God, how much more do you and I need that? That everyday time with the Lord, you know, telling him how much we love him, listening to him, developing that relationship. Number four. Every single person who's ever been effective in service for God has developed this habit, okay? You know, again, all through the Bible, all through history, you know, think of people like David and Abraham and Moses and, and you know, Esther, all these men and women of God, if you study their lives carefully, you see very quickly that, that they all spent time alone with God, a lot of time, regularly. Number five, you cannot be a healthy, growing Christian Unless you spend time alone with God. There's no way you're going to grow without this. In, in other words, it's not just a good idea. This is not just a little, you know, fun thing that, you know, a few of us might try for 2015. It's a necessity. A couple of verses talk about how it's a necessity for us spiritually. Matthew 4.4, 4, man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that God speaks. Uh, Job 23.12, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, physically, what happens when you go a long time without food? What happens to your body? Okay, none of us really know this, but it shuts down, we're told, right? We're, we've heard you get sick eventually. Eventually you die, right? Well, the same thing is true with spiritual food. Basically, is what he's saying there. Intake of God's word keeps you healthy and keeps you strong. Psalm 119.9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. So, our quiet time with God, here, he says here, is almost like a spiritual bath. It, it, it's something that enables us to, to cleanse ourselves from, from all the sin and the junk of this world, all the stuff that's accumulated and built up in our lives. Now, do me a favor. 
really quickly, look back over that list, okay? Look at that list. So, if you and I do not develop the habit of a quiet time, we are missing out on the very privilege that we were created for. We are rejecting the thing that Jesus died to make possible. We will never be like Jesus and experience the same power and be greatly used by God, and we will remain a weak and sick Christian. Wow. I mean, that ought to motivate us right there to do this, to have a quiet time. Now, what I want to do with the rest of our time today, because I just don't want to, I don't want to just heap guilt on you today and say, you know, shame on you if you don't pray, you don't spend time reading God's word. I want to talk about how we actually do this, what it looks like daily. Because um, I want you walking out here today thinking, not necessarily just, I should do this. Okay, that's a good starting point. I should do this. But I want you walk out of here going, you know what? I can do this. I absolutely can do this. So, very, very practical. And I know for some of you who already have the discipline uh, daily of having a quiet time, this is going to seem like very basic stuff. But I think for most of us, it's either going to be a good reminder or it's going to be a great starting point. Number one, practical step of having a quiet time. Number one, select a time. Select a time. Now, there's a lot of debate. You hear a lot of things in a lot of different Christian circles about when is the best time to have a quiet time. And a lot of people will make a lot of, um, you know, they'll, they'll have some verses and, and they'll make a strong case or a strong argument for having an early morning quiet time. And I think that's great. However, here's what I've discovered. This is what I believe, my own personal opinion. The best time to have a quiet time is when I'm at my best. Okay, I just think that's the general rule. You know, you ought to have, you ought to give the best part of your day to God. Not, not just giving him, you know, the leftovers. When you don't think about it, when you don't care, select a time when you're most alert and then give a portion of that time to God. Now, raise your hand this morning if you're a morning person. Okay, a few of you, okay? Then maybe, you know, now how about after you've had a good cup of coffee, you're a morning person, okay? A few more. How many of you are just plain out night people? How many of you have not figured it out yet? You struggle all day long. You're, you, know, you don't know when your time is, okay? Um, but I just think that, that you ought to select the time when you're at your best and, and give a portion of that time to God. Let's talk about that. How long? How long should a quiet time be? I think sometimes, you know, we, we put so much pressure on, on Christians when we, when we give them these. And I remember getting a book like this. It was a great book, uh, you know, An Hour Alone with God. And you hear these things about all these great people of faith and how they spent, you know, so much time alone in prayer. And then you feel guilty because you can't do that. Let, let, me, let, me, let me make a starting place suggestion, okay? 15 minutes. 15 minutes. I think, I think anybody can get 15 minutes. Now, again, don't, in your head, don't start with like an hour because you'll never get started. And then you'll, you'll stop and you'll feel guilty. I think it's better to spend 15 minutes a day with God than it is to spend an hour every other week. Okay? Just start. Start with 15 minutes and then let it grow because you'll understand what I'm talking about once you get into it. Because 15 minutes goes quickly. 15 minutes a day with God and, uh, and don't go to sleep until you've done that. Now, here, here's another big suggestion. However, don't watch the clock. Okay? 
You know, don't, don't. I've seen some people, when they start their quiet time, they literally get like a, you know, a timer and turn it or, or an alarm. Like, don't do that. Like, that, that'll ruin your quiet time faster than anything. I mean, if you're going to spend time with your spouse or, you know, your husband or your wife, do you set the timer and go like, okay, I got 10 minutes for you. That's it, you know. Like, I mean, that would be so rude or mean. You're not going to have much of a relationship with Jesus if that's what you're doing. But I'm just trying to give you just kind of a general starting idea. In other words, emphasize quality not quantity. It's what, it's what you do with your time that counts, not necessarily how long you spend. But I'm just trying to get you to, to think that you can do this for like 15 minutes a day. Number two, once you've got a, a time and a, a general idea of it, choose a place. Choose a place. That sounds really simple, but look at Luke twenty two thirty nine. 39. Jesus left the city and went as he usually did to the Mount of Olives to pray. Again, notice that little phrase, as he usually did. That means it was a habit. So now there is one important factor that you need here when choosing a place, and it's solitude. Solitude. Find a place where you can be alone. Now for some of you, that might take some creativity, okay? Now I, I know some guys who, uh, who drive to work and intentionally get there early maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes, and they sit in their car in the parking lot, you know, and have their quiet time before they go in. Um, I know people who have their quiet time outside in their backyard, you know, in a, a bench or a rocker or something like that. I know some people who have their quiet time uh, in their garage. Um, I know some stay-at-home moms who have their quiet time in the bathroom because that is the only place that they come close to having solitude. Um, but, but find a place and, and, and mix it up. But, but in other words, find a place that's, that's right for you, that's good for you, that becomes that special place, that special time where you spend time with God. Mark one thirty five says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a what? Solitary place where he prayed. So again, this was the habit, the routine of Jesus. If he needs it, I think we need it. Number three, and this is important, gather the resources you're going to need in advance. Gather the resources you're going to need in advance. Um, I'm, uh, how old am I, Janet? 47. I'm 40, I forget all the time. I'm 47 years old, because it's just a number, right? But I have learned this. I'm 40, and let's just, let me just say this. If you're over 40, swallow your pride and get a large print Bible, <laughs> okay? Just go ahead, just go ahead and bite the bullet. Embarrass yourself the one time when you're in checkout, you know? But like, you know, gather the, you know, get a, get a Bible with readable print, okay? I mean, some Bibles are nice to carry around. I had for years and years and years, I had a little New Testament I carried around in my back pocket that if I went to the hospitals, went to visit somebody, it was the perfect size. But honestly, I can't read it anymore. It's just, it, the print's so small. Um, but uh, here's what I would suggest. You know, if, if you're gonna, when you get up early in the morning or it's late at night, again, your eyes are going to be blurry. You know, get a Bible with readable print and then use a reliable, understandable translation. Okay, nobody here in this room is from the 16th and 17th century. Go ahead and put aside your King James Version Bible. 
Okay, I know for some of you, I've like, I've just stated heresy or something or whatever. We can talk later. Listen, my goal is to get people to read the Bible regularly and understand it. So I would suggest the, the New International Version, the New Living Translation, NLT, NIV, uh, a readable, uh, reliable, understandable translation. Uh, here's another resource that will be good for some of you. Uh, get a notebook or a legal pad or have your laptop or you know whatever thing you use to, to journal, to write down maybe what the Lord speaks to you, what comes to mind, uh, maybe prayer requests, maybe praises. Uh, for some of you, the, the resource is uh, a worship CD. Some of you can't imagine having a quiet time alone with, with God without singing or hearing music. And so sometimes you just want to listen uh, to worship music. Now, what I'm trying to emphasize, though, is to gather whatever you need in advance. Because the idea is to be prepared. Let me, let me ask you a question. Think about this. How much smoother... Does your morning go if the night before you did what? Right, you got ready, right? You set aside your clothes for the next day, the stuff you might need. If you, if you take your lunch with you, you went ahead and, and got your lunch ready, put it in the refrigerator. You got your clothes laid out, your stuff laid out. You got your lunch laid out. It goes so much better, doesn't it? I mean, it's amazing how much that, like, Three, five-minute preparation makes an entire day start off so much better. Well, the same is true for your quiet time. If you're trying to have a quiet time in the morning, you know, or even in the evening, my recommendation is sometime go ahead, get your stuff together, set aside what you might need, and have it ready in preparation, okay? Number four, begin with the right attitude. Begin with the right attitude. Here, let me give you three, three important attitudes to have about a quiet time. Number one, the first one is reverence. Reverence. It's, it's an awe uh, before the Lord. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. Don't rush into God's presence. You know, prepare your heart. You don't go into a quiet time like you're going to a football game, Okay. Have, a, have an attitude of reverent awe before God. Here's another great attitude. Number two, expectancy. Expecting something. Anticipating something. Faith. Uh, Psalm 119.18. Open my eyes to see the wonderful things in your word. When you come to your quiet time, you ought to basically mentally be saying, God, I expect you to talk to me today. This is your word, your love letter written to me. I expect you to say something important to me. And then if you're going to say that, then the next attitude becomes very important, an attitude of obedience. Uh, John 7, 17, whoever is willing to do what God wants will know whether it's true or not. Be willing. Say that in advance. God, I'm getting ready to go into your word. I'm going to read your word. And I want you to know that I am willing to do in advance whatever you want me to do because you are making me day by day into more and more like Jesus. That's the goal, right? is to become more and more like him, more and more like God sees us. So God, whatever you're leading me to do today, whatever fruit of the Spirit's going to be developed, whatever thing I'm going to you know, put aside in, in my life, whatever I'm going to put on, I'm willing to do it today. Okay? Number five. Number five. Follow a simple plan. A simple plan. Okay, don't complicate this. Don't complicate this. In fact, let me give you a very simple plan to get you started. You could call this 15 minutes alone with God, 
Okay, 15 minutes. Number one, relax. Just relax. Okay, now this, this takes about a minute. And all I'm asking you to do is wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, you know, you might go out to the beach, you might be in the woods, you might be in your garage, you might be in your car. But just for a moment, be still, be quiet, take a couple of deep breaths, maybe two or three deep breaths, prepare your heart. Now, if you just got up, don't relax too long, you might go back to sleep, okay? By the way, I would highly recommend that the place that you select for your quiet time not be your, your bed, okay? Because you are more than likely you're going to fall asleep, okay? And I, you know, don't you know, don't beat yourself up, don't guilt yourself. But that that just should go a little way of going. Hey, you know what? Find another place to do this. Now, if you want to kneel at your bed, maybe that's one thing. But I mean, just sitting, laying in your bed, you know, more than likely you're going to fall asleep, especially if you if you relax, okay? And maybe for you to relax really means you know, drink that cup of coffee, but prepare your heart, get ready. Number two, here's the second thing of a simple plan is to read. Read. Read a section of Scripture. Now, if you're going to read through the Bible with us this year in the one-year Bible plan, it makes it very simple in that you'll notice if you've already done it, or you've done it before, if you've paid attention to it already, uh, there's an Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage, a psalm, and a proverb. Every day, it kind of lays it out for you. Now, if you're not going to do that, whatever you're going to do, I would suggest in your mind, mentally go, okay, I'm going to spend about you know, five minutes reading. Now, l- let me give you some suggestions. If you're not going to uh, go through the one-year Bible plan with us, um, I would suggest, however, that whatever you're reading in Scripture, read it systematically. Okay, read it systematically. Don't do the dip and skip method. Okay, you know what the dip and skip method is? You get a Bible, you open it up, there. Okay, God speak to me. Okay, don't do that. Like, you're never going to keep that up. You're never going to maintain that. You know, read, read through something systematically. You know, maybe you're going to start with uh, the Gospel of John, or you're going to read a psalm and a proverb. My, my, my point is, if you're just skipping around, you're not going to be consistent with that. Because then you can always start where you left off the day before. Because it's not so much, and again, it's not how much you cover but it's what God is saying to you. And so maybe you just read a chapter or a paragraph and you stop and then you think about it, which leads me to number three. So relax, read, and number three, reflect, reflect. I'm talking about just meditating on Scripture. Okay, you've just read something. Now think about what the passage means to your life. You know, part of reflecting uh, and, and meditation is maybe even, you know, highlighting a verse or two that speaks to you in a special way. It may be memorizing it, maybe holding on to that verse for that week and, and uh, saying it over and over again and, and, and uh, you know, committing it to memory. So you read for about, you know, four or five minutes and then you think about it for a few, few minutes. And then for some of you, I would even add the idea of writing your thoughts down. You know, while you're thinking, you know, while, while they're fresh in your mind, to, to write them down in a notebook or, or a journal, and maybe even to write down an application statement 
You know, based on what you just read, what is God saying to you? What is God speaking to you? What, what do you need to do? What do you need to change? What do you need to become? You know, what, what, what character quality do you see here? But write something down. Now, I would say for some of you, because some of you are writers, and it's just going to add to, you know, your experience. It's going to be great. But some of you are not. Some of you are not writers. And for me just to tell you to write something down, all it's going to do is burden you with something else you've got to do, and you're never going to do it in the first place. But for some of you, it works, okay? And I think that's great. I don't think, I, don't think I should guilt you and say, hey, to have a quiet time, you've got to journal, and you've got to write down. If you're going to really grow spiritually, you've got to do this. I don't believe that. I think you need to find what works for you. But I do think there are times when maybe you ought to mix it up and try something different that you've never tried before. But don't burden yourself with something. Uh, number four, pray. Pray. We haven't even gotten to prayer yet, right? So relax, read, reflect, think through what you've read. Think about if you're going to write it down, write it down. Uh, and then pray. And what I mean by, by this, very simply, just conclude your time by talking to God. Now let me give you some suggestions. Because if you've never had a regular time where you talk with God, in the beginning it could seem a little overwhelming and maybe even a little awkward if no one's ever talked through this with you. And so I want everybody walking out of here today, again, not just going, hey, you know what, I ought to do that. I want you thinking, man, I can do that. Let's look at what Jesus said about prayer, Matthew 6. And now about prayer. When you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners uh, and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you, that's all the reward they're ever going to get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father secretly. Then your Father who knows all secrets will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. Because your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Now, let me give you some suggestions here. Uh, the first suggestion really has more to do with your attitude. Be real. Okay, just be real. Do not try to impress don't try to impress others like the, like the Pharisees were trying to do. Basically, the Jesus says the Pharisees were people who were standing on the street corner, literally raising their hands and their face to, to the heavens and then just carrying on in a very public way. And all they were really trying to do, because Jesus could see their heart, was trying to impress other people. The Bible says don't do that. Don't be like them. But also, you know what, not only don't try to impress other people, because there are going to be some times where maybe your quiet time is done with someone else, but uh, I would say, most importantly, don't try to impress God. You know, don't try to pray what you think God wants to hear from you. Remember, he says, I already know your heart and your thoughts. You're, in other words, so you're not fooling him. He just wants the relationship. So speak to him what's on your heart. And so when you talk to God, you ready for this? Here it is. Just talk. Just talk like you talk to me, like you talk to a friend. It, it, is a, it is a conversation between two people who love one another. You know, when Janet wants something from me, she doesn't come up to me and go, you know, and bow down and go, Oh, thou most honored of all men, you know. 
I need some grocery money, and if thou wilt bless it to me, I will make the meal. You know, I mean, that, that she doesn't, I, now, she, I speak that way to her, but she doesn't speak that way to me, no. Because, because we love each other. We, we have a relationship. We have a friendship. And so when you come to God, just tell him what's on your heart. Just talk to him the way you talk to a friend. Now, for, for some of you who still need a little bit more structure than that, you know, so, okay, Pastor Chris, but then, but what exactly do I say? What do I talk about? It might be helpful to use a little acrostic or a little, a little help. And there are millions of these. This is, over the years, one that a lot of people have found help, helpful. It's the Axe Acrostic. I didn't make this. I didn't make any of this up, okay? This is really basic information, but I think it'll be very helpful. The letter A stands for adoration. Adoration. In other words, when you begin your prayer time, you're talking to God, just spend a little bit of time at first just praising God for who he is. In fact, that's the same model that Jesus talked about in the Lord's Prayer where he said, you know, pray this way, okay? You know, let, let, me, te let, let me teach you how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. How many of you use the word hallowed very often? Okay, not very often, right? The word hallowed means holy. Holy is your name. Jesus says, hey, when you come to God, spend a little bit of time just praising him for who he is. The letter C uh, stands for confession. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, uh, you know, forgive us of our debts as we forgive others. But, but he spent a lot of time talking about forgiveness. So instead of just saying, God, forgive me of my many sins, you know, how about, how about list them? <laughs> how about name them? You know, name them one by one, you know. Um, but ask God for forgiveness. Confess them to God. Go to him. And then when you're even able, as you confess them and talk about them, again, because it's all about relationships, maybe what the Lord's going to do is place, place on your heart as much as it depends on you to be at peace with people and maybe even work out some sort of restitution plan, you know, against people that you've, that you've sinned. But then accept God's forgiveness. You know, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, did you hear that? If we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, and he will forgive us and purify us. In other words, he'll make us clean, brand new, if we confess our sins. So how many of you think already, if you, if you just spent time confessing your sin, that's like 15 minutes alone right there, right? There's the, all the time, okay. Uh, the letter T stands for thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thank God for what he has done. You say, well, what's the difference between adoration and thanksgiving? There's kind of, a, kind of a fine line there, but adoration is more about who God is, you know, his character, his nature. And I know that kind of overflows a little bit into thanksgiving, but thanksgiving is more of, of what he has done and, and how, you know, uh, you know maybe, maybe it's not just what God's done, but maybe it's also being thankful uh, for other people and other things. And so you might even make a list. This, again, if you're writing something down, maybe this is where you write it down. Uh, the letter T, and here we go, this stands for supplication. That's kind of a big fancy word, supplication. All it really means is, and this is just a way to figure out the acrostic, but it stands for your request. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. God said, pray for God to provide for your needs. Now, what, what needs can you pray for? You ready? Everything. All of them. Be specific. 
you know, you might even write, you might even have kind of an outline on, on, on this section here where you, where you make your request to God, where you pray about your day, about your family, about your ministry, your children, your pastor, our church. Pray for the people you're reaching out to. Pray for the people you're building relationships with. The Bible talks about praying for those in authority in our country. Pray for our president. Pray for elected officials. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for your health. Pray for your finances. Again, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything, but in everything by what? Prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. So, there you go. That, that, is, that is basically what a quiet time looks like. Now, obviously, and I've been doing this for a long time, and thankfully, you know, honestly, it wasn't really until I was in Bible college that anybody ever sat down with me. In other words, I had been a Christian for like four years, and no one ever said, you know, what does it look like to pray? How do you pray? And it wasn't until I was in college that a friend of mine actually sat down with me and talked to me about what does a quiet time look like? So obviously, as you grow and as you develop as a Christian and as you talk and you share with other believers, what's going to happen is that this habit is going to grow and develop. And you might do different things during different seasons of your life. You might do different things to add variety. But in its basic form, this is what a quiet time looks like. You know, when you hear Pastor Chris talk about, hey, I, I, you know, more than anything else, I want to see the people of our church develop a quiet time. It's one of the important commitments that I think people ought to make. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Now, I think we all know we should do it. But here's the question for you right now. You ready? Here it is. Can you do this? Yes or no? Can you do this? Yes. Now, I want to close this morning by talking about one other thing. And um, it relates to having a quiet time, especially to to some of you specifically. Here's the question. Okay, Pastor Chris, so what happens if I miss? What happens if I miss a day or two or three or four or more? Well, first of all, don't go on a guilt trip. Now, here's what's going to happen, though. The devil's going to come to you, and he's going to say, you didn't have your quiet time today. Shame on you. And when Satan does that, here's what you need to say to Satan. Satan, did you have your quiet time today? <laughs> okay? Because he didn't. Now, just because you missed your quiet time, that doesn't mean your whole day has to flop. Okay? Because here's, and this is one of the dangers of me sharing any of this information. Because one of the dangers of sharing with people some suggestions for having a quiet time or, or any, any kind of model to follow is that some of you very easily can slip into what? It starts with an L. Legalism. Legalism. And especially those of you who are somewhat, the nice way to say it is obsessive compulsive. <laughs> okay? Your spouse calls you anal. Okay? But... Um, you know, it's so easy for us to do that, where here's what you need to hear. You and I live by grace. Grace, it's a relationship. Don't focus on the formula or the routine and then miss the relationship. God wants you to know him and to love him. And you've got to figure out what works for you. But what I'm saying is somewhere in the mix has got to be 
spending time with God. You know, it's, somewhere in the mix, it's got to be communicating with him and then getting to know him and letting him communicate to us through his word. It's got to be there. But don't get legalistic about it. We live by grace. And finally, here's the other last suggestion I want to leave with, and then we're going to pray together. Don't give up. Just don't give up. Raise your hand. Anybody here ever miss a meal? Okay. We all have, at least one, right? Now, probably breakfast for most of you. You know, we, you know, we missed a meal. Now, let me ask you. So, when you missed a meal, what did you do afterwards? Oh, no. Poor, pitiful me. What have I done? I've missed a meal. I'm never going to eat again. Like, nobody said that, right? Did you ever say that? I mean, nobody. No, I mean, that would be, you know, I'm a lousy excuse for humanity. You know, I, if I can't be consistent with my meal eating, I'm just never going to eat again. No, of course not, right? Probably we made up for it the next meal, probably most of us. We started eating again. Now, when, not if, when you miss a quiet time, don't be blown away by it. Don't be blown away by it. You know, okay, I missed it. Today's a new day. Because we live by grace. Galatians 6, 9, let's close with this. Let's not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. Listen, I just promise you, I guarantee you, you and I together, we, our church, man, we are going to reap a harvest of blessing this year if we don't give up and read through the Bible this year together. And just, and, and, and wouldn't it be so awesome if we looked back at 2015 and we said, you know, not that we never missed a quiet time or we didn't have to catch up or something like that, but we could look back and say, you know what, now the pattern of my life, the habit of my life is that I spend time with God. And that's what I want to see happen this year. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. And thank you for the opportunity we have this year just to dig into your word and to grow. And that's, what, that's, the, that's the prayer, Father. That's what we want to see happen is that we would just grow, that the, your, your spirit would use the word to just uh, to wash over our hearts and our minds and to create within us uh, the people that you want us to be. And, uh, Father, help us to, uh, uh, to not give up, you know, to, to, to not quit, and uh, to stay consistent, knowing, though, that we do live and walk by grace, because the relationship, that's what's important. And, Father, may there's somebody here today who's never yet established. They hear me talking about a personal love relationship by grace, and they've never established that. They've either walking around in legalism or rebellion. Either way, it's the same, you know, it's, it's two different sides of the same coin. And Father, today I pray they would come home and begin that relationship. And it, it, it's through Jesus. And listen, all you have to do today is say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you're God's son. I believe that God sent you to this earth to make a payment for my sin. I believe that that my sin and the sin of this world puts you on that cross as a sacrifice, as a payment, a penalty for our sinfulness. But God's love and his power is too great and you rose again and you are alive. 
And that is what I put my trust in. And it's that relationship now that enables me to come to the Father. Thank you. Thank you for purifying us, for making us brand new and clean, and for forgiving us. And Father, for the rest of our days, we simply want to become more and more like you now see us, like Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Hey, guys.